This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, This week is our second edition of Behind the Curtain. Uh, Sad to say, Claire is not with me to guest host. You're back with me because now I'm interviewing someone else. I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Patrice Osmo. Patrice, welcome back to the Amvacast. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Patrice is my second guest for a very specific reason behind the curtain uh, because as of, uh, I guess, as of two years ago, Patrice became the longest tenured active AMVA employee uh, that we have. Uh, you wouldn't know it by meeting her or looking at her, of course. Um, but Patrice, it's, it, it's a fact. The facts are the facts. How many years is it that you've been an AMVA employee now? I received my offer letter from AMVA on March 28th, 1991. So I started on believe it or not, April 1st of 91, <laughs> and I will celebrate 32 years wow. this April 1st. 32 years. Yes, it's quite an April Fool's Day joke that has <laughs> gone on for, for three decades. Or a blessing. Yeah. Depends on how you look at yeah. it. So I want to, you know, talk to you about, you know, what that's been like because, you know, we're doing these because Amva is celebrating its 90th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess means you've been here more than one third of those 90 years. I imagine, and this is not your like Patrice's retiring episode, so we don't have to look at it like it's all in the rearview mirror, right? <laughs> you still have still have career ahead of you even after the 32 years. Right. Um, I imagine though, 32 years ago, the idea that you would have made a career out of Amba, or that 32 years later you'd still be here, was not necessarily something in the trajectory or something in. Patrice's mind 32 years ago. Yeah, I'm not sure 32 years ago I was looking this far down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because when you're young, seeing beyond the next 10 years is tough. Um, So, but, you know, when when I got out of school, I went and worked for the federal government for a short stint and then with private sector for a short stint before I landed at AMBA. And when I landed at AMBA and started really understanding the work that we did, it spoke to me in big ways. Like I do still to this day, 32 years later, feel like we make a difference in road safety, which is saving lives. You know, if I can have any part of that, I'm a, I'm an about the cause kind of gal. So, um, so it's, I wouldn't have seen it, I don't think, at that time, but I'm not surprised, mm. I would say, that I am here. Okay. So 1991, mm-hmm. what is Anvil like in 1991? You walk into this organization. <laughs> so at that time, I was hired to work in the Motor Carrier Services Department mm. at Anva. Um, and I was doing IRP balloting because IRP did not yet exist as an organization of its own. The program right. existed. It was um, a program within AMBA. Correct, but it was managed by AMBA. Um, and we were located in Boston, but not in the offices we mm-hmm. currently are in Arlington, Virginia. 
Um, but there was still smoking in the office. <laughs> how weird is that? Like I was yeah. thinking about that the other day. Something came up and I thought, how gross was that? And you, you were a smoker. I was, yeah. but gross, right? <laughs> so gross. And I am not anymore, I'm proud to say. But uh, yeah, it was... Um, it was, it was a different time and a different era, obviously. Sure. Um, but Ambonette was just starting up at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, after a short stint under the Motor Carrier Services Department, um, I have, was talking to the CTO at, at Ambonette, who um, was interested in expanding you know, the roles there. Uh, we had a help desk, but it was managed by EDS, and it was mm. for SIDLIS only, and we were getting ready to onboard PDPS states. So um, so I jumped from AMVA to AMVA Net in, I think, 93, uh, and was with AMVA Net until it was reabsorbed into AMVA. And so they was, both of those were, certainly compared to today, they were small organizations. Very you are not joining, you know, today if someone joined Amber, they're joining a 190-person organization. Right. You know, at least 120, 130 of those are the folks that work, quote-unquote, on Amvanet, right, all the applications. Mm -hmm. When you switched over, well, first, when you joined Amva, you were one of a couple dozen staffers? Uh, it was truly your uh, uh, traditional trade association when yeah. I joined it. I think we had 24 people yep. on staff, and that included our uh, CEO. Um, and Amvanet had five people wow. on its staff. Yeah. Uh, so that. So you were course. like employee six, employee seven at I was. Amvanet. I was. Yeah. Yep. And and the only person, and none of those people are still here. But shortly after I came on to Amvanet, Philippe Guillaume, right. our CIO, came yes. on to Amvanet. So he and I share that kind of lengthy tenure. Absolutely. And he doesn't know this, but he will be a future guest on Behind the Curtain. So if he's listening, which I tease him, he doesn't listen enough. If he's listening to this, he'll know that his invitation is on is on its way. Beautiful. Yeah. So you were at Amvanet until it was absorbed. But during that time, you saw Amvanet grow rapidly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it had its own board of directors. Yeah. Um, it was a separate entity. Right. Yeah. And uh, they were all brilliant minds, jurisdictional folks like David Lewis in Massachusetts and Stu McDaniel in Iowa. Mm. And um, our, uh, we just had a fat, and, and they were very progressive in their thinking yep. about technology, which back in the 90s was really just starting to get its, its, its momentum in the DMV world. Um, because like when I first started, we didn't communicate via email. There was no such thing as the internet. Right, there was, but, right, but we weren't, weren't using, using it, it within our community. Yeah, That's correct. Um, and so all of our communications with our members were, you know, snail mail correspondence mm, wow. and telephone calls. I know this makes me feel yeah. really old. <laughs> phone tree was it phone trees and uh, things like <laughs> That's that. Exactly yeah. right. It's exactly right. But. Amva grew hugely, um, and I did work for a while with uh, onboarding PDPS states, but then um, they really needed help with the expansion of our network services mm -hmm. uh, because all the states were coming on to the network, um, and I, I jumped over to that side of the house and stayed there for 10 years yeah. uh, until I was ultimately managing our network services. Um, and had quite the dream team there too, uh, yeah. with some of some of our tenured employees there as well. Darlene Campbell's been Who, here many still years. with the organization. Correct. Yeah, 
and Susan Guckey, who just recently yeah. retired. Yeah. Um, so we, we had a great team there and, and did network services for many, many, many years. And then I was fortunate enough that we had a CEO um, at some point that said, hey, you know all the IT tools and mm -hmm. products and services, and you seem to know the AMBA ones too. How would you feel about taking a kind of a different role in the organization where you're where you're working more with all of our products and services. So mm -hmm. I developed the products and services catalog that we now use as a basis for contracts. I mm -hmm. negotiated all the state's contracts with us mm -hmm. from the IT side of the house, right. of course, still. Um, and yeah, I helped uh, most of those states on board with the network services. So yeah, it was, it was a really a, it was a fun and innovative time, and I got to do so many different things ground up that um, that it gives me just that much more passion for the work I do mm -hmm. because I really kind of grew up as the companies grew up. Right. So as the company is getting larger, your portfolio is expanding. Different mm -hmm. people are coming to the organization, and at the same time, on the after the organizations are brought back together, um, the association side starts to shift from being that old school association to really starting to expand products and services, professional delivery, you know, as the whole thing starts to round out. Yep, that's exactly where we went. And um, we built, you know, product life cycle development models. And we, you know, really started focusing on, you know, how are we going to, um, you know, present our products and services in a consistent and, you know, uniform manner, those mm -hmm. kind of things. So, so that was fun and it was a new thing for me. I like to say I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I, I consider myself so fortunate to have had so many different opportunities mm -hmm. within the organization that now as a regional director, it puts me in a good position to really have a, have a massive baseline for all sure. that AMBA does. Well, and it, all, it gives you that perfect view of the world to do the role you do now, right? To have, have experienced all the different parts of the organization and then say, okay, now how do I take all of that knowledge and make sure that the members are aware of it, taking advantage of it, and know that it's at their disposal. Right. So how, how long have you been in the current role as regional director? So this role came up in 2012. Um, and I was one of a couple different candidates, um, but tried to sell myself on my tenure. <laughs> uh, uh, and and because this to me was the coveted role in the organization, I think I've mentioned that to you before. It's I'm out here with the members um, who I believe in their cause that just as much as I do Anva's cause to support them. Um, and while the travel gets heavy sometimes, yeah. the actually being out there in the field with the members and understanding what they go through and seeing the conditions in which they work, and they are always so welcoming to invite us in and mm -hmm. um, talking to them about the good things we can do for them and gathering their ideas about other things that we can do. This is this is a really good role for me. Customer service is always my passion. Even mm -hmm. when I was on the IT side of the house, it was all about customer service for me, mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. And so in the, in the last little more than now, more than a decade that you've been in this role, how have have you seen the organization change again? You know, we you talked about how Amvenet grew up, products and services grew up, and now for the last little more than a decade, as a regional director, you're dealing with all of it, but there's a hyper focus on sort of the, you know, uh, association side of the products, tools, and delivery. You know, how has that 
maturity been over the decade, you know, that you've been in this role? Oh, Lord. It has been, from my perspective, night and day. So, you know, when I came in this role, not only was it a coveted role, but it was working for a brilliant human being. (laughs) No, I'm not blowing smoke. You might think I am, but... But I did not invite we, <laughs> Patrice on this podcast just to broadcast compliments for Ian. But look what, where we have come. You know what you've done in 10 years. You know, well, 12, almost 13 years, yeah. right? Uh, you know how far we've come. I, I will never forget when I came into this role, um, just beginning to work with the members and things, how grateful they were mm-hmm. at all that we do yeah. and we do 15 times more now than we did then mm-hmm. um so i continue to feel like we bring huge value and i think that that has just grown tremendously i look at like just our government affairs and how far that has come mm-hmm. in 13 years it's huge yeah you know we 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 had always a government affairs department and you know we would keep our eye on you know a few federal legislation big kind of things going on and things like that but now i mean we drill down into every state law that's being passed and how that could be impactful and the things we track and the things we scan and the things we're trying to do that's good for our members look at our website today it's just beautiful and it's mm-hmm. so helpful to me and to the members I look at our knowledge bases, how much they've grown and what we've done. So technology has helped us, but man, we have come leaps and bounds from where we were 10 10 to 15 years ago, I think. And when you're out there in in the field, as you say, and you're hearing it from the members, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the trends I think it's fair to say is that the members, they're more aggressive at taking advantage of it than maybe they were 12 or 15 years ago. There was a, a slice here and a slice there, but I feel like there's a there's a deeper and broader connection where hopefully members are taking advantage of what AMVA is giving them to make their lives easier. I think so, because I think now that we can communicate via email and we can communicate on the internet and we can you know get in touch with each other in a million different ways, mm-hmm. um, we could say that you know that was good enough yeah but what i see more than ever is the members clamoring for us to come out to them and talk to all of their staff yeah and the members wanting to come to anva events for that connectivity piece so i think that it's it's funny because technology has enabled this level of connection we saw it through covid that is very technologically based um, and and where maybe your kids and my kids would say that suffices for their social life, right? <laughs> I think in the business world, the in-person connectivity just yeah. can never be replaced. Yeah. And so to talk about COVID though, let's talk about how that changed your role. You know, it was, it, now we can look back at it in a finite period of time, but when we were living it, we didn't know right. when it was gonna end. And you talk about, you know, the travel is heavy, being out in the field with the members is what excites mm-hmm. you, delivering that mm-hmm. customer service. And then here that was turned off. And you couldn't go anywhere. And even when you wanted to go somewhere, nobody could host you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But it did change our mine and Julie's role tremendously. Because what was the number one thing when COVID hit that was difficult to do? Provide face-to-face customer service. Mm-hmm. And the customer service aspects of our members' business falls to Julie and I currently. Mm-hmm. That That's where it sits. 
So the amount of resources that we were pulling and, and, and meetings that we were putting together so that people could solve how do we still serve our customers while right. we're all in quarantine was tremendous. And that just built and it built and it built. And now, you know, we, we offer so many other resources in the operational aspects of a DMV that I don't think we've really traditionally offered. Um, so that really was a new thing that we yep. took on. And then our members started communicating more with the technology and less with the face-to-face because -face, we just didn't have the, the, the luxury to do that. So <clears throat> for instance, you know, email uptick went from, you know, maybe, you know, 60 to 80 to 100 maybe emails a day to 500 a day. Wow. Um, and that, even though we are no longer COVID, that hasn't fallen hasn't back. Stopped. It's still, we're averaging about, Julie and I, about 500 emails each a day. And that's not including spam. <laughs> right, that's not including spam. All the stuff you can just delete without Nor is opening. it including the phone calls or the texts well, yes, or the, of you know, those kind of communication or the, 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 the meetings too, your right. so-called brilliant boss makes you go to. <laughs> No, they're good meetings. They're always productive. Always productive. So when we talk about, you know, looking behind the curtain, there, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the regional director role and some of your other roles, but there's another specific program that you've you've had under your portfolio now for many of years, which is the FDR mm -hmm. program. Um, which someone may not look at on the surface and say, well, of course a regional director would manage the FDR program. It doesn't fit at all. It's a little bit of a legacy for Patrice to still be managing the is. FDR program. So tell me a little bit about that story. And for those who don't know what the FDR program is, our loyal listeners will know because they would have heard my multiple episodes with Steve Sebastian talking <laughs> about the FDR update. So we don't and have to go into detail. knocked it out of the park. In yeah, parts. we don't have to go into the detail, but, you know. Okay. And so FDR was at one time fraudulent document document recognition training. Yeah. And it was a text-based classroom training that ANVA worked with its members mm -hmm. to establish the content um, for, and then we had voluntary trainers from our jurisdictions throughout the country that would go to jurisdiction sites and deliver the training. And so as a class, we'd say this is Correct. how to detect a fake driver's <clears throat> license. This is how you detect right. a fake birth certificate. And they'd have physical samples there and say, you see the difference, this is what you look for, this is what you know you right. need to be aware of. And then <clears throat> in the 2008 to 2010 range, um, our board of directors asked that we take another look at that program and see what we could do to make it more digestible in multiple formats. Mm -hmm. Some jurisdictions didn't have the facilities to accommodate an in-class mm -hmm. kind of classroom. Um, some were not thrilled with the trainers, and so that was okay. not helping our reputation for the training, which was still really good content. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they said, hey, can you take this program and can you um, – make it put it in you know like formats that all of us can use and can you make it available to us in an easy way and can you keep it updated yeah because it was not necessarily on a regular being kept updated gotcha. so we did that we took the the text program and we put it in a computer-based training mm -hmm. um and we put it in 
five different formats at that time, one that could run on an LMS, one that could run on an intranet, one that was printable, etc. Um, and then over time, of course, as you know, fraud has expanded because our technology world has increased. Yeah. Uh, it has be expanded well beyond the documents. Um, and so we, we use sticking with that same acronym, we rebranded that product to um, fraud detection and remediation training. And it has now become our fraud toolbox, which mm -hmm. is kind of, you know, this wide array of, um, of, of, of uh, products that we offer as an organization that, right. that help our members to fight fraud. Um, but all of this came to me because I was products and services at the time, and the oh, board okay. wanted to make changes to this product. Mm -hmm. And it's a fairly complex program now. Mm -hmm. So just handing it off is not necessarily the easiest thing to do in the organization. And we have a good partnership with Apex. Yep. Steve Sebastian is the gentleman that you, yep. you uh, do podcasts with annually on those updates and he does a fantastic job in working with Anva in that partnership and not just that but also supporting our our external mm -hmm. users mm -hmm. of the of the level one training so so there's a lot of tentacles to this but you know we have good we have a we have a good um established baseline on how we're doing that and it's not you know costing Anva a ton of money and um, we are continuing to keep it updated and keep it relevant. We now, I think, are up to 27 modules, and it doesn't just cover our documents and our fraud um, concerns, but also those of other issuing agencies because, of course, we rely on many of their documents of to do our vetting. Yeah, and so you took it over, quote-unquote, when they switched from it being classroom and they Correct. said, make this a digestible product that can be delivered Correct. in multiple channels, not just classroom, and you you led that conversion, that transition. Yes, sir. Yeah, right. yep. and it's still, and what you didn't mention, and what we know is FDR is the number one voluntary product used by Anva members, meaning of the things that are not required by a federal mandate or to be compliant with something that Anva is just, Anva just chooses to use that is, it is the number one product. And arguably it's number one in any category because every year we know all 69 jurisdictions access it in some form or manner. They may use it differently, they may deploy it differently, but everybody's using it in some way. Correct, and on the law enforcement side of the house, we have a law enforcement only module which we'll put on a CD or a thumb drive or whatever someone needs, right, to give out at like briefings and things like that. So we've really tied it into the law enforcement community as mm -hmm. well. Um, and, you know, all of our contributing agencies, like the other issuing parties, Department of State and, you know, mm. USCIS and um, th those other entities, um, they are also using it within yep. their organizations as well. That's great. So, yeah. so you've been 32 years. Mm -hmm. One third of the organization's growth. <laughs> we talk about 90 as being the launching pad to 100. Yep. So when you think about AMVA at 100, I'm not going to ask whether you think you'll be at AMVA at 100. I'm going to keep you that. But having watched where AMVA's come the last three decades, mm -hmm. only looking a third out to 100, mm -hmm. what are some things that come to Patrice's crystal ball as to where you think the organization serving the community might be at 100? Oh, so... Technology continues to, 
to lead us all. Yeah. I think whether personal lives or business lives. So I would see a couple of things just generally if I were to crystal ball, I would see mobile DLs mm-hmm. being being a standard in ten years. I would see electronic titling and not just you know, there's a lot of definitions for e titling, <laughs> as you know, but I, I had the pleasure of at one point dipping my toe in that yep. water too. And um, I really think vehicle life cycle administration, you know, that birth to death of the vehicle mm-hmm. will become an electronic process. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as, you know, what we do and how we support our customers, I don't see that role changing. It has never changed in all my 32 years here. We, we serve our members for the missions and the visions that they have, right? Which is the safe drivers and uh, secure identities and um, saving mm-hmm. lives, right? Yeah. So th- this, is, this continues to resonate with me even 10 years out. However, I would see potentially the roles of the DMV becoming more broad and being more of a mm-hmm. governmental uh, service type entity. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a little bit of shift on that already. Mm-hmm. You know, we have one of my jurisdictions and in, in one of my regions has just um, stood up its own service agency. Yeah. Um, and it is focused 100% on serving the constituents in all fashions of government. Yes. Um, so I, I would see that I've heard a lot about that over the last five to 10 years, and I have seen movement in that direction. So that would not surprise me. Interesting. Well, if you are here at 100, and if I'm here at 100, <laughs> that means I'll probably still be doing the podcast if podcasts are still a thing in 10 years. And it means you'll still be the longest tenured employee at AMVA if you're still here in 10 <laughs> years. So we'll do it again. I would welcome that, Ian. <laughs> if I'm still here, <laughs> and if you're still here, then I would welcome it. Yeah. Well, so as you, you know, after 32, 10 goes a lot faster than you think oh it's going goodness, to. Oh, my goodness, yes. I know it. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, thanks, Patrice. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Ian. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.